Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Josh Goodman from Eastern Oregon University. Welcome, Coach. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, hopefully, it's a, it's a nice day out there in, in Oregon. You and I couldn't be almost farther apart with me down here in Bradenton, Florida, but, uh, but that's the beauty of the internet, right? So I'm sure your weather is a little bit better than ours currently, but... You mean it's not sunny in 85 where you're at? Not sunny in 85 where okay. we're at. Right. Beautiful. Well, well, we won't hold that against you. It's all right. Um, well, you know what? I, I know... Well, congratulations. I, I know you just became... You've been the assistant there, but just became the head coach here in the, uh, recently. Um, so congratulations, first of all. And uh, I guess... The way I'll start the the interview is is with a question: How has it been recruiting, uh, going from assistant to head and kind of being new head coach? How's that working out for you? Um, it's been pretty smooth transition over the last two years. I was our recruiting coordinator as the assistant, so I was doing a lot of it um, already. So it was kind of just you know picking up where I was already at. Um, but also I you know I've definitely gotten more emails and, and different things, you know, as the head coach. So it's been exciting. And, um, you know, I love recruiting. It's one of my favorite parts of the job is, you know, I get to go watch soccer and, and talk soccer 24-7. So it's great. Yeah. Well, ha in terms of this cycle, um, you know, we're talking here in March of, of 23. Are you closed? Have you closed your 23 class? You still working on it? What, what does that look like in terms of your normal progression? Um, we're, we're pretty close to closing for 23. We have a few spots left, but we also very comfortable with, with where we're at with our roster. So it's kind of a, you know, if, if there's someone that comes along that we feel can make an immediate impact, you know, we've got those spots, but, um, we are not necessarily, you know, actively looking for 23s. We've kind of turned towards our 24s, but, you know, anytime you can get better, if you've got a spot open, you know, you want to get better. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you said one of the things you like doing is watching soccer. So in your recruiting uh, exploits, you know, what are some of the places that you are kind of always on your list as to, to where to go see players? Um, so obviously being up in Oregon, we, we, you know, are in the Pacific Northwest quite a bit. Anytime that we can get to a GA or uh, an ECNL or ECRL showcase in the area, we try to get to it. Um we go down into Utah quite a bit to watch watch games. Colorado, um, we're active there. So basically, the way that our school is set up, um, we have what's called the WUI, the Western Underground Exchange Program. So it's basically like from Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Montana, like over to the West. We, uh, we have discounted tuition for everybody that falls in there. So Typically, we recruit within in that region, but, you know, we're not opposed to going outside of the region. But typically, you know, that's where we're, we're hanging out, going to lots of different events. I'll be at the Players Showcase in Vegas this upcoming weekend, Surf Cup, um, any of the State Cups, you know, showcases. Yeah, it's, uh, I know the, I've heard a few, few folks I've talked to getting ready to, to go out to the Players in, in Vegas. Um what about camps? Do you guys host your own? Do you or your staff work external camps? Do they factor into recruiting at all? Um, definitely. So typically we have a camp in the winter, springish, and then the fall. Um, through the coaching change, um, we didn't get to host our typical February camp. Um, we've moved it to May. So May 27th, we'll be having a, an ID camp day. Um, it's a bit smaller than it usually is, but um, 
you know, we wanted to get something in. And then we'll have one um, end of August, beginning of September um, timeline for our, our normal fall camp that we will usually do. So we do two a year. As far as external camps, um, you know, we work a lot of the club ones uh, that we are close by. We're going to Idaho, uh, go to the west side of Oregon quite a bit. Um, in the past, I've uh, worked some in Utah. So we, we do try and get into those. Um, we try to get into the exact camps and we've had invites, but it just falls every time we, we get an invite, we're, you know, playing a spring game or we're, we're gone. So, but we, you know, we are planning on getting into some of those as well. Okay. Well, it is, as, as times have changed in the college recruiting world, you know, there's a big, bigger use of social media, uh, you know, players putting stuff out there. Does that factor into your recruiting all? Are, are you looking at players' social media? How does that fit in? Yeah, so, you know, I, I was kind of, um, I graduated high school in 2014, and it was kind of going into that era where social media was starting to be evaluated a lot more. And now in present day, you know, it's, I get five or six new followers a day that are, are players that have, you know, their team, their position, where they're from, all located in their bio. They've got highlight tapes. So, you know, it, it does make it convenient sometimes. We actually have found two players on Twitter that have followed us and we've, we've seen their highlight tape and then, you know, they've reached out and it, you know, it's, it's definitely unique, but, you know, it's there. So why not use it? Um, we, uh, you know, there's been multiple times where I've been sitting at an airport or something and I've just tweeted out like, hey, you know, I've got time, send film to my email and I'll get five to 10 highlight tapes and I'll sit there and I'll evaluate. And so that it definitely has, you know, changed the way that we engage with people. And, you know, obviously, as far as the recruiting side, you know, if you're looking at social media and there's, you know, some red flags on there, it can be, you know, harmful to the recruits. But I've found that it's very, very rare that we are seeing that. I don't think we've had any issues with any of our recruits via social media so far, but I, I can see why it could be a concern, but it hasn't been for us so far. Okay. Well, whether it's at a camp or a showcase or, or anything like that, what what is it that draws you to a player? What's that hierarchy of things you're looking for, whether it's off the field attributes or on the field stuff? Um, so, I mean, we, we're pretty thorough. Um, for me, it's the little things when I'm looking at players, you know, are they, are they getting their body shape right? Are they getting their hips facing the right direction when they're receiving the ball? Are they checking their shoulder to see where the space is? Um, you know, those, those little things are often the difference makers from club and high school to playing at the college level. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it's kind of positional, but we, you know, we like vocal players, players that, you know, can take over a game and kind of organize and, and do some different things like that. And then um, our conference is uh, very physical. So not necessarily size, but the ability to handle physicality. We've got some small girls on our team, but they're not afraid to get stuck in and, and you know, play play that physical style of soccer. But we also put the ball down and we try to play. We build out of the back. You know, we're big on our rotations and our, our build-up play. So Lastly, is being able to do all those things and then keep keep composed under pressure. Like if someone's in your face, can you find a way out, you know, and, and just different things like that. So. Okay. Well, in terms of recruiting, you know, the NAIA, a lot of times you, you see a lot of international players, but it doesn't look like you guys are, are huge on the international recruiting scene. So does international recruiting or, or the transfer portal factor into your recruiting at all? Um, so... 
you know, like I said, there's a lot of schools in the AI that are heavily international. Um, we don't have any currently on our roster. Um, and it's more to do with the, uh, the financial side. Um, because like I said, even for people in the United States, once they get out of that kind of wooey area that we talked about, our tuition price goes pretty high. Um, so we just tend to, you know, find what we can in, in our area. And, and we believe in the developmental piece and developing players. I mean, obviously we've had a lot of success um, in the four years that I've been on the staff. We've, we've made nationals twice. Um, we've been in the top 10 at the final site twice. And the two years that we didn't make nationals, we still won 11 games and 12 games those two seasons. Last year, we won 12 games, had 14 shutouts in 19 games. So, I mean, we were, we were very successful at what we were doing and, you know, we fell probably one game short of, of getting into the tournament, which which hurt. But, you know, we, we believe in what we have in our area and going out and finding it and, you know, giving people a chance. And, um, you know, oftentimes when you're in the transfer portal, um, the NAI, you know, kind of has a, a little bit of a stigma against it. And you hear it all the time, which I, I never understood because – some of the best soccer I've seen played is in the NAI and those top teams, the NAI can play with anybody and you, you see it in the spring and stuff, you know, we've played D ones and D twos in the spring and, and we've held our own, you know, and obviously in the spring, maybe people aren't playing their full lineups, but you know, neither are we all the time. So it, it's, you know, we're very comparable with those D twos, um, I think. And, you know, I think a lot of people would have more options if they were, a little bit more open-minded about the NAI and even junior colleges. You know, I played at the junior college as well. So I think people often have that, you know, that big school mentality, which is nothing wrong with that. I don't want to, I don't want to bash that at all. Like if you have that dream, by all means, chase that dream. But I think um, my thing is just for, for anybody is where are you going to be happy? You know, where are you going to enjoy life and soccer? Because, you know, your four years of soccer are going to end. So is it going to set you up for, for what you want in your life? And, you know, there's a lot of really nice NAI schools across the country that have great educations and, and different things. So um, not just for Eastern Oregon, but for NAI in general, I'm hoping to kind of break through that stigma that goes against it. Yeah, no, I love that. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the school. I'm sure there's some folks out there not familiar with Eastern Oregon University. So you've got a good insight, having been the assistant coach, now the head coach. So what are the, some of the things you find that are really awesome about the school that maybe I'm not going to learn just by clicking through the website? Um, one is the, the community support. You know, it's a smaller town, but it means that every athletic event is flooded with, with the community. Um, in the sense, I've always felt like it's almost like a, a small town professional team um, because the, you know, the community doesn't have much else um, as far as like your bigger cities. Um, and then the environment, we are big on outdoorsy stuff. It's gorgeous scenery. We've got lakes and hikes and snowboarding in any direction you go. Um, so we are kind of isolated, but if you, you know, are open-minded, it's, it's really fun place to be. You know, we have classes that are offered mountain climbing, mountain biking, whitewater river rafting, snowboarding. These are all credits that our athletes can take. And, you know, you're getting graded to go snowboard down a mountain and, and have a good time. You know, you're, you're mountain biking and you're getting grades for that, you know? So those are some unique features that the school can offer that you may not get in a bigger city. Um, when you're, you know, going and there's obviously perks to that as well, but we, uh, you know, those are the, probably the two main things that you're not going to see too much of if you're scrolling through 
Um, as far as the school itself, we have most programs that you would want. We have a really good nursing program, which is big, um, exercise science, business, math, biochem, all these different things, you know, so we, uh, you, we have almost everything that people are, are looking for, which is really nice when it comes to recruiting too, because for the most part, we've got something for just about everybody. Okay. Well, with academics being such a, you know, big part of the college experience besides the soccer part, uh, how do you, how does your school support the students in making sure they have that balance as to what they need to do academically as well as athletically? Yeah, so we, um, you know, being a smaller school that, that's big on athletics, all of our professors are great when it comes to working with our students. You know, we have a policy where if you're missing for games or whatever, you have to be given the opportunity to make up whatever work that you're missing, um, which, you know, it helps with the stress levels for our girls. If they're missing class, they know that they're not losing points, so they're not, you know, missing out on anything. Um, we have an awesome counseling center where they can just go and, you know, focus on, different things as far as you know stress and mental health um because that becomes a, a big piece of you know being a, a college athlete is you know you're trying to balance school and sports so making sure that they have the support they need to get through that we have um tutors available for not just our athletes but everybody on campus you know we actually have a couple of girls who work as tutors because they get paid to do it which is nice um we do study hall as a team you know and then our library has study rooms that you can get into that have whiteboards in there. And, you know, any given time, I'll go in there and see four or five of our girls, depending on their majors, you know, working together. Um, as far as like the athletic, like soccer, we try to practice either, you know, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. That way our girls have all day to get whatever classes, labs that they need to get. And we're not interfering with the school part at all. You know, we're not trying to give them, hey, we're practicing at one. So you've got to schedule your classes around this we try you know school first get get your classes and then we'll you know we'll work around that okay well and that kind of leads me to my next question you mentioned practice time can you just think about the fall and kind of walk me through what a typical week would look like in terms of what winter practice times class times meals the game cadence all that kind of thing yeah so we are in a, a a pretty cool what i think is pretty cool is we are on the quarter system so when we report on August 1st, which is usually our report date, we don't start class until the middle of September. So when we're going through our preseason and we, we take one big preseason trip a year, last year we went to Florida, we've been to Arizona, Nebraska, this year we're going to Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, we don't miss any class for that because we haven't started. Some of our girls will be in summer classes, but they're all online. So they can you know do them wherever we're traveling to. And if we have a few doing that, we will make sure that we have time at the hotel, um, downtime so that they can get what they need to get done but for our girls that are coming in it's a nice transition because you're not thrown right into school and soccer you kind of get a taste of of the soccer um and then school kicks in a little bit later so the first couple of weeks we are doing two days um but it can look differently some days it's two sessions some days it's a session and a film session some days it's a session and weights and typically you know we share our field with the men's team so one of us will go probably 8 a.m the other one will go at 10 um, and then we'll both be back in the evening, typically one at four and one at six. Um, and then as school kind of starts um, and we get into games, um, about towards the end of August, we go down to one, one practice a day. And it will typically be that 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. just to kind of get into the routine. Once school starts, the conference starts the same week, which is, you know, kind of nice. It just works out that way. We play Friday, Saturday. 
um, in our conference, which can be brutal, but it does mean that we're not missing too much class. Um, if we're at home, we're not missing any class because games are at four and 6.30. Um, our conference, the men and the women travel together. They play back to back. So last year we played first at four. Um, this uh, upcoming year we'll play second at 6.30 and that's our home game. Sometimes if you're on the road, the game times change, but it's, you know, same format. Um, so we'll practice Monday through Thursday. Um, games Friday, Saturday, Sunday's off. Um, and, you know, we usually have a film session and a weight session just to maintain throughout the week, but nothing crazy. Um, you know, the weight session is just more injury prevention, different things like that. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the team and, and the soccer side of things. You know, but Friday, Saturday can be kind of brutal. So what does that do for your roster? How many players do you like to typically keep on the team each year that you find is ideal? So we usually try to stay right around 30. Um, obviously, it's changed a little bit in the last few years with our COVID seniors because we're not losing the same amount every year. So um, last year, we were still at 31. This upcoming year, I anticipate being right at 33. Um, so we will never go over 35. I mean, that's the absolute most. And even that, we kind of like that. That's a lot for us. Um, so 30 to 33 is usually our range. Um, and we... Um, in the CCC, which is the conference we compete in, I think um, statistically, I know most times we are often the team that goes the furthest into our bench. If you kind of go and look at, you know, who's making the most subs, we go eight, nine deep into our bench, um, sometimes more. And if you look at the whole week collectively, we're, we're playing, you know, 18 to 24 girls, depending on the weeks, because we have a lot of depth and we believe in staying fresh. So Sometimes there's one group that plays more on a Friday and one group that plays more on a Saturday. Sometimes it, it's, you know, just one group that plays more collectively. It, it kind of just depends on matchups and, and who we're going against. And, you know, we also believe sometimes that if it's not broke, you don't fix it. So if things are going really well, um, you know, and when we communicate this with our girls is that, you know, maybe you didn't play as much as you wanted to, but it might not be anything that you're doing wrong. It just might be that the group that's in is doing exactly what needs to be done. And, our girls have really bought into that. Our culture is very much team first and, you know, that we over me, which, you know, I know a lot of coaches will say, but ours, you know, I truly believe that they, uh, they're they here for the reasons to, you know, get us back to the national tournament this upcoming year. Um, so being one game short last year didn't really sit right with a lot of the girls, um, especially when, you know, we were very close to even getting an at-large bid and and, you know, if you ask the, the girls, I think they feel like maybe we should have and we didn't. So there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder and, you know, we'll see what happens this fall, but they're, they're working harder than they've ever worked before. Um, I think they're hungrier than they've been. And it's, it's fun to see, you know, the, the players take over and kind of set the mindset. Um, Cause when the coaches do it, it can only go so far when it becomes player led. That's when I think really good things happen. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, obviously you've now moved from assistant to head coach. So can you just give me a brief overview of what the rest of your staff looks like? What roles does everybody play, et cetera? Yeah, so we kind of, um, as of right now, we kind of bumped up just one spot each. So I, you know, took over for Jake as the head coach. And then Morgan, who played here, she's the program's all-time leading goal scorer. Um, she was a volunteer assistant last year. She's now stepped into the assistant role. 
Um, and then we are currently, our keeper coach got the opportunity to move to a Division II school in Nebraska, um, and he's doing really well there. So now we are in the market for a keeper coach. Um, you know, we've got a few names that we're kind of going through the process with right now, but we will have one by fall, and it'll be the three of us. And we uh, split recruiting. Um, you know, a lot of evaluation goes on between the three of us. And, um, you know, as far as roles go, it's kind of, you know, just depends on the day. You know, there'll be days where I ask Morgan, hey, can you take the the forwards and the keepers and run some finishing while I'm working with the midfielders and the defenders on, you know, some different things. And, um, you know, it's pretty cohesive. Um, obviously, it's new because it's only been three weeks with, with it. But, you know, it, it's not going to change too much. Okay. Well, how, now that you're transitioning into that head coach role, has your coaching style changed at all? Can you tell us about your, I guess, your whole staff's coaching style and the team style of play? Um, I don't, I don't think so too much. I, the one, you know, or two things I'll say about myself as a coach, and I was the same way as an assistant, is one, I extremely value the relationships off the field. And we, we work night and day into making sure that the team is comfortable, that they can come into the office and speak their mind. You know, obviously things need to be done respectfully, but I give that same respect back to the team. And, you know, I don't, I'm not much of a, a yeller. I believe in communication. I often will bring the team in and, and talk to them. Obviously in games when you've got to communicate, that's different, but I don't really consider that, you know, yelling, yelling. Um, and I, I do that because on the field, it's very demanding. Um, if you're going to play for me, you're going to accept that we have a standard that's going to be upheld every day. And if it's not, you know, you're going to know that it's not and not in a way that's going to demean you or tear you down just in a way that's saying, hey, you know, we're not doing what we need to do. You know, we, we've got to get back to how we can play. It's got to be consistent. You know, the teams that go on and are successful do the small things consistently every day. So it's not negotiable here. You know, you've got to show up every day with discipline because you're not always going to be motivated. There's days where sometimes, you know, as a coach, you're not as motivated, but it's the discipline that kicks in. So, you know, I think that you can do that more if you have a good relationship with your players because they know that it's not coming from a mean place. It's not coming from an angry place. It's coming from a place of, I care about you, so I'm not going to let you be anything but your best. No, I love that. Well, in terms of the the uh, off season, because we're talking here in March, and so it's that time of year. Uh, what does your typical off season routine look like for the players? Um, so we have um, our certain amount of weeks that we can train with the ball. So usually, typically January into February, we're only uh, doing some fitness and some lifting, and we'll usually kind of offset it. So. I believe this year we were doing fitness Monday, Wednesday mornings, and then we were lifting Tuesday through Thursday evenings. Um, and that was it. As we transition into practicing like we are right now, we scratch the fitness in the mornings because we start doing that at practice. Um, and we're lifting, you know, still Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we're practicing, you know, Monday through Thursday, sometimes Monday through Friday, depending on the week. But um, we're not going that full two hours. You know, it tends to be, you know, right underneath an hour and a half, kind of right there. And it's a lot more, you know, development stuff with individual work and trying to, you know, develop everyone. And then in the spring, after spring break, we'll come back and we'll start focusing a little bit more on, you know, tactics as we prepare for the fall. But same schedule, roughly. 
Okay. Well, Coach, you've been real generous with your time. We've talked about a lot of different things, and I want to end with one last question, and that is if there was one thing, one nugget of info that you could communicate to to parents or players that are going through this process right now, what's the, what is that one thing that you would hope that they would know? Oh, like I said earlier, I think it's just it's being open-minded throughout the process. You never know which school is is going to be the right place for you or your child. Um, you know, it could be a big school. It, it could not be. And, and it's just doing research, going on visits. And I think trying to put yourself or your kid around the team and the coaches and get a good feel for it. Because, you know, if you're just doing kind of window shopping on schools, things might look great from the outside, but they might not necessarily be. So it's just do your research and um, be open-minded because you never know what the best fit's going to be. And at the end of the day, it's about where you're going to be happiest. You know, you don't want to go somewhere where you're going to end up transferring straight away because you're not happy. So, um, and the other part is kind of stay the course. You see, I think a lot of kids these days, if they don't play straight away, you know, their first thing is to, leave and go somewhere else. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about people who are willing to put the work in and, and earn what they're given. So those two things would probably be the biggest for me. All right. I love both of those things. So and I appreciate that insight. Well, coach, congrats again. Wish you the best of luck in your first full season in the fall as head coach. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon and, and you'll be raising that uh, conference championship banner then. I hope so. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. All right. Thank you.